turn, turn in your Bible to Joshua. Joshua. And we'll look at verse, uh, let's see, I'm a Bible man, so I'm going to take my time. Look at verse chapter 24 and verse uh, 29. Everybody get there go, uh-huh. Joshua 24, 29. I got two scriptures here up front that will seem like they don't connect, but I will try to pull them together for you. How's that sound? Verse 29, and it came to pass after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. I'll take that, would you? And they buried him, look carefully, they buried him in the border of his inheritance. And Tim Nasserah, which is in Mount Ephraim, they buried him in the border of his inheritance. I want to say it again. They buried him in the border of his inheritance. Then she go with me over to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. And this won't seem like it goes together, but you will see where we're going. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. And verse 8, thank you, Anthony. It's good to have you back today, buddy. Did your wife tell you you was good looking this morning, Anthony? Because I'm not going to. I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 8, look at it. They buried Joshua at the border of his inheritance. Verse 8 says, better is the end of a thing in the beginning. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask for your help today. I ask for your anointing. I ask you to fill this room with your word. Speak to somebody today. Change us in your mighty name, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Often I think about things, you know, I think about beginnings and endings. Uh, uh, it, if this, was, if this was the end today, is this how I would want it to end? You ever had that thought? Would I want my life to, to end this way? If, if, if this was the last sermon that I heard preached, or if this was the last altar call that I got to participate in, if this was the last time I saw my family, how would I want that to end? If, if this was the last prayer that I prayed before I went into eternity, would I want it to end like this? Have I come as far as I can for the Lord? And have I, have I, do I feel like I've served the Lord to my fullest? And, and am I happy to let the sun set on my life? Ask yourself those questions. And so today, many of us here, we, we, we have problems in our family. We've made our life's mistakes. And uh, we're wondering, is this how it's going to end? Am I locked into this the rest of my life? You young ladies over here know that you're not. And so you ask yourself, is it over? Have I done all I can do? But I come by to tell you today that until you buried at the border of your inheritance, it ain't over. It ain't over. They buried Joshua at the border of his inheritance. Understand something. When Israel went into Canaan, each tribe received a parcel of land. 
on that land were enemies, giants, devils that they had to fight to inherit their land. They buried Joshua at the border of his inheritance. Now, think about this for me just a minute. They didn't just bury Joshua just on the inside. He, did, he didn't just cross through the border of his inheritance and say, okay, I'm in my inheritance. I give up. I die. I'm going to lay down right here. I made it in my inheritance. That's not what happened with Joshua. Joshua went in on the south end, and he fought his way all the way through. He took devils down. He took giants down. Remember it was Joshua and Caleb. Remember what Caleb said? Caleb said, give me this mountain because I am as strong today as I was 40 years ago. And I was thinking about that this week. An 85-year-old man is not as strong as a 45-year-old man physically. Never can be. But I got to study the around on it. And what it says in the Hebrew is Caleb said, I've got the same fire shut up on the inside of me today at 85 that I had at 40 years of age. Have you lost your fire? Do you still have the same fire? Shut up. Ain't nobody. Lord, I need, I need a mark in here today to stir this place up, didn't I? That big, old, that big old personality he's got, right? Watch this. Buried him at the border of his inheritance. I've made up my mind. And I hope you have. Caleb? I'm going to get all of it. Let me say that again. I'm going to live in all of everything God has planned for Steve. I'm going to live in it. And I hope everything God has planned for you, you're determined that you're going to live in it. Twice in my life, I've had a death sentence. Uh, one just a year and a half ago. One where I spent a year in intensive care. Three times they tell my family he'll be dead before the sun's up. But let me tell you something. It don't matter what a doctor says. It, it, don't, it don't matter what your family thinks. I refuse to die. I refuse to give up till they bury me at the, at the border of my inheritance. I don't know about you, but I still got some things to do. I still got some inheritance to inherit. I still got some blessings to walk in. I still got some sermons to preach. I'm going to forget those things that are behind. I'm going to press toward the things that are ahead. If you want to cool down, and if you want to just cool off and let it go, that's your business. But I refuse to start out on fire and end up in a simmering smoke pile. I refuse to start out a lion and end up a mouse. I refuse to be a volcano and end up a mud. I refuse to be on an all-star team and wind up being a bench warmer. I refuse your church house, social security, and your Holy Ghost retirement program where we sit around and talk about the good old days and how it used to be. I'm telling you, the best is still ahead. It ain't over yet. Our best is still to come. Don't bury me till I get to the border of my inheritance. And then if you don't watch me, I'm going to slip in and get some of yours. Listen, don't, don't, don't give up so quick, church. It, it, this last year, it would have been easy. Even today, even this last week, it had been easy with everything I got going on to just say, okay, it's, I'm done. It's been good. I've been in this church 30, 
three years and it's over and I'm done. And, and No, the devil is a lie. The devil is a lie. Listen, it's not over. I want, I want to talk to you a minute about getting to the border of your inheritance. It is not over until God says it's over. I've come to believe in the more of God. What you talking about? You may, you, I believe in the more of God. You, you, listen to what I'm telling you. You may be at the end of you, but you'll never come to the end of him. Let me read you this right here. I want you to think about this. Ephesians chapter 2. I said you might get to the end of you, but you'll never get to the end of God. Ephesians chapter 2. Listen to it. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 7. It says, uh, it says, well, in verse 6, it says, He raised us up together and made us set together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That. Why did He do it? Watch now. In verse 7. That in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ. That in the ages to come. And in the Greek here, here's what it says. That there will never be an end throughout all of eternity. I said, I believe in the, the more of God. There's always more of God. That, that in the ages to come, that, that uh, let me say it again in the Greek, there will never be an end throughout eternity where he is not showing the exceeding riches of his grace. When you think you've seen all of the grace of God, you have to come up with the idea there's always more of God's glory hidden than what has ever been revealed. Let me say it again. There's always more of God than what He's revealed. So at times, trouble seems final. Nothing is final. Listen to me. The pain, the loss, the warfare, and it tells us all. They scream at you, say, this is it. This is the end. This is the end. It's going to end this way. You can't go past this. This is your finish. God's not finished. All through eternity, God's going to show you his goodness. Nothing is final in God because there is no end to God. Imagine how the 12 felt that day, church. Listen, how, how did they feel? When Jesus is hanging on a cross. This must be the end. And then word came that Joseph had took his dead body down and laid it in a tomb. Certainly, this was the end. They'd had difficulty before. But this was different because tombs aren't temporary. Tombs are final. And we've all had moments in our life that it feels final. Maybe the divorce of a perfect marriage or maybe a very public financial failure and everybody sees it and everybody knows that your life is ruined and, and people try to encourage you and they speak kind words to you, but deep down on the inside of you, you know that what just happened to you was as final as a tomb. And you find yourself at a place of no more, no more hope, no more vision, no more life. No more chances, no more tomorrows, no reason to think that it'll ever be any different. Am I talking to anybody in here? Yeah. It's a little different today, isn't it? A little different. Friday seemed final. They laid him in a tomb. But walked forward with me till Sunday. 
Because the same tune that declared the end comes Sunday morning, declared a glorious new beginning in God. Listen, by definition, eternity has no end. And so it's not merely what has been and what is, but it's what has yet to come. That's why your Bible says, if you be an evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more. I believe in the more of God. I'm not going to die before I get to the border. I'm going to live in everything that God has proclaimed I'm supposed to live in. It wasn't over. There was more. Peter and John heard that the body was missing. They run down to the tomb. Jesus' body was gone. This incredible three-year journey wasn't over. There was more to come. It was just beginning. For six weeks, for 40 days, Jesus appeared before 500 people. Jesus leads them up a hillside, steps up on a cloud at Bethany, and they stand dumbfounded as they watch him go up. He speaks back down to them. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come on you. Surely they felt like this is the end. We've just seen him float up. But as we continue on into the book of Acts, we see the story unfold to the New Testament church. And let me tell you something. The miracles, the miracles, the miracles all through the book of Acts. And look where we're at today. 2,000 years later, and we're still living in that same book of Acts. God is not finished. I refuse to let go. My story is not over. Our best is yet to come. And we're going to live in every day that we're supposed to live in it. You will never find a time when God is finished because there is never an end of him. I challenge you, take this Bible and study the lifetime and find the end of God in this Bible. Come to me and say, well, Pastor Steve, I've seen him from beginning to end. I completely understand all there is to understand about God. <laughs> There's never an end. There's never an end. And I'm not stopping here. I am not stopping here. You can spend your life never find his fullness. I look back, I see God. I look around, I see God. I look forward, I see God. I'm not complete until I realize that he's the God that was, the God that is, and the God who is still to come. God resides in a place beyond time and space, in a place of perpetual continuity. Think about what I just said. He's in perpetual continuity. And just because your circumstances tell you it's over, it ain't over with God. It's never over with God. It looks so bad, Brother Steve. It looks impossible. I don't understand why it's got to always be a battle like this. Let me read you a couple of scriptures, and then I'm going to get back in my topic. But Isaiah chapter 33, let me just, let me just settle something for you guys, okay? Because some of y'all been punking down. And there ain't no room for punks in the kingdom of God. Watch this right here. Isaiah chapter 33 and verse 1. Listen, 
talking about being having your mind made up that you're going to live in all that God's got for you. Isaiah 33 and 1 says, Woe to you that swallest and what's not swallowed. And you dealt treacherously, and they dealt not treacherously with ye. Would you not listen right here what it says? When you shall cease to swallow, you shall be a spoil. And when you shall make an end to deal treacherously, they shall deal treacherously with you. What did he just say? He just said, get over it. Hell don't like you. And there's a fight. And you're going to fight it. And the day you quit fighting is the day you're going to get your tail kicked. That's what he just said. Amen? He said, quit punking down, crying about, oh, God, it's so tough. No, it's a battle. Every day of your life, it's a battle. That's why the Bible says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You're going to have to learn to fight. Now, Exodus chapter 1 and verse 12. Let me just give you a good fighter's attitude before we move on. They were giving Israel hell. And in verse 12, look what it says in verse 12 of Exodus chapter 1. It says, but the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. The more they afflicted them, the more they grew. Hey. <laughs> It's good for you. Huh? I'm in trouble today. Uh, I don't understand, Brother Steve. Why has it got to be this way? What I, I just told you, punky rooster, <laughs> that there's a, there's a battle every day of your life. But, but listen, think about Israel when they, when they went into Canaan. I don't understand why God does things like he does, but think about it. God brings them up to go in to inherit Canaan. And your Bible says at the time of the year when the banks overflowed. God, we've got all year. And you're going to bring me up here when it's a flood. Couldn't we do this, God, when it's a little more convenient? Because, see, God ain't worried about your convenience. He wants to show you who he is. <laughs> and then the Bible says, I mean, the man of God stood up and said, as soon as the priest that bear the ark put their, put their feet in the water, it's going to dry up, and you're going to march over on dry ground. The priests go down with the ark on their back, and they step into the water, and the water dried up, but check this out. 30 miles upstream. Now, you done stepped out in faith. You done told everybody you believe God, he's going to heal your body, he's going to give you that job, he's going to whatever it is you believe in God for. You done stepped out in faith, and you done stepped in the water, but it dried up 30 miles upstream. Listen, how long does it take? for 30 miles of, of a river to run past. And you're standing there. You done, you, done, you, done, you done said what you said in faith, and you're standing there, and everybody's looking at you, and you're still standing in water. <laughs> oh, Lord. Why has it got to be this way? Jesus why has it got to be this way? 
even when you can't see God working. Hear what I'm telling you. Even when you can't see him working, let me promise you that what you're walking into is better than what you walked out of. I said, what you're walking into is better I heard the story. There was a. There, I heard the story. There was a, uh, an eaglet that fell out of his mother's nest. He, he landed in the field, and the farmer come by and seen him, and, and the farmer picked up the little eaglet and he took him home and he put him in the field with the chickens. The little eaglet, eaglet grew up with the chickens. Chickens were fecking dirt, pulling up worms, and. He was a little eaglet, and he, he walked around with the chickens all day long, but he, but he never did quite feel like he fit in. And he'd look up occasionally, and he'd see up above, and he'd see the eagles flying up above. And something on the inside of him said, I feel like I'm created for more than what I'm living in. And uh, he stayed there. The chickens were fecking. The chickens were fecking. And he grew, and he grew. And one day, shred his wings and he jumped up on the fence post and the wind came by out went his wings and up he went and up he went and up he went and he found himself with the rest of the eagles circling around I come by to tell you today that some of y'all been digging in the dirt with the chickens long enough and it's about time for you to shred your wings and let the wind of God take you up to the place where you're supposed to be Somebody shout and give God some praise in here. I love to tell this story. It's been four or five years since I've told it. If you've heard it before, you're going to get to hear it again. <laughs> but Beethoven mastered the violin by the time he was five years old. He had mastered the piano at 13. At 20, he'd studied under Mozart. and He'd written nine of his famous symphonies. He began losing his hearing at 20. He was stone cold deaf by the time he was 50. And even though life had dealt him a blow, he still had that gift of music in him. He still heard music on the inside, even though he couldn't hear with his ears. And he wasn't going to die until he got it out of him. So this is what he did. He, this is a true story. He sawed off the legs of a big baby grand piano, laid the baby grand piano flat on the wooden floor in his house, and he would lay on his stomach, and he would play, and even though he couldn't hear it, he could feel the vibrations, and through sheer determination, he wrote some of the best works that he'd ever written, completely deaf. Now, 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 here's the story. One day, his assistant heard a terrible noise in the room where he was at. She goes in where he's at, and he's pounding, pounding on the piano with his fist in complete frustration. He's pounding, and he's screaming out, and here's what he's saying. These are the words he's saying. He said, I will take life by the throat. I will not let life defeat me. I will win. Let me tell you today, if you're tired of fighting, you better get that up in your spirit. You better say, I will grab a devil by the throat. I will take life by the throat, whatever it is I got to deal with. I will win. I will not give up. I will not shrink back. You bunch of dead heads ought to be praising God in here. I said, you better get some determination if you're going to make it. 
So it is with us, it's from strength through struggle and we advance through adversity and we find power in pain. So take life by the throat and say, I'm not giving up till they bury me at the border of my inheritance. We, listen, we've been letting the devil punk us down long enough. I know I keep using that word today for some reason, but, but it's the truth. We, we, we need to man up. We need to speak to ourselves and say, you know what? I'm more than a conqueror. Greater is he that's in me. He always causes me to triumph. I will be blessed coming in, and I will be blessed going out. And, and what I put my hands on will be blessed, and my family will be saved, and my body will be well, and my finances will be prospered, and, and this church will continue to grow. I will be blessed. Turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. I'm going to get through early today. I say that, but I probably lie. I'll probably preach on Revelation chapter 1. And look at verse 9. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 9. And I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle called Patmos. For the word of God, for the testimony of Jesus Christ, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Now, here's, here's what history tells you. Here's what Josephus and some of the uh, Jewish historians will tell you. Before John was on the Isle of Patmos. Now, by the way, understand that the Isle of Patmos was nothing more than a rock. They come up out of the ocean, barely above, in places barely above sea level. Last evening, it's such a barren rock. Last evening, I was looking over some stuff about fatness. And today, there's, even today, there's one palm tree on the island. They stuck him on a barren rock in the middle of an ocean. No shelter to get under, nothing. He's just sitting there with the elements the wind, the water, on a rock. He says, and I got in the spirit. How about that? I got in the spirit. But history says that before they put him on Patmos, they dropped him in a big vat of oil to roll him to death. But he wouldn't die. And what they say was that eventually the oil separated. And he was setting in the oil Mind you, bloody and raw, skin melted like wax, all the hair on his body gone. And when they seen that he wouldn't die, they took him out of that vat and took him to this rock island. I can see him on the Lord's day as he says, I'm in the spirit. Up above, the vultures are gathering. Because he's bloody and he's bleeding and his skin is cracked open and he's raw. And he looks like he's going to be a good meal. And he hears the devil whisper, it's over. 
you're going no further. This is the end. Burned and banished, done wrong, nothing right, everything against him. Have you ever been lied on, stabbed in the back, burned, banished, discarded, thrown to the side? Everybody counts you as nothing. It's over for you. You're a nobody. Be honest. Yes, you have. John got in the spirit. And I can imagine him. I can imagine that he sat up. He looked at them vultures. And something on the inside of him. He's talking to hell now. He probably said, oh, hell no. No. Uh -uh. Let, me, let, me re let me rephrase that. <laughs> he probably said, hell well, it sounds bad either way, don't it? I just go back to where I was at. He said, oh, no, hell, no, uh-uh. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. He, he pointed his little bony burned fingers up at them vultures, and he said, you boys were to back up because we ain't done. It ain't over. I'm about to get the revelation of Jesus Christ, and, 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 and I'm not going to lay here and die. I don't care what's happened to me. I don't care what the circumstances are. I'm laying on nothing but a rock, and I don't know if my body ever healed back. But I can tell you one thing. I'm in the spirit, and I'm not giving up. When the enemy thinks he's got you burned and banished, why don't you do what he can't do and get up? Let me read you this scripture. I love this scripture. I, I, I used to read it all the time. It's been a while since I read it. But listen to what Micah said. Micah said, rejoice not against me, my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light to me. Devil, don't you get happy. You might have knocked me down today, but I will get back up. When I fall, I will arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. Look at somebody and tell them, get up out of your pity. Get up out of your discouragement. Come on, tell them. Say, quit pitying yourself. Get up. Rise again. Get up. Get your groove back, baby. Get your joy back. I refuse to end with depression and discouragement and pain and sorrow. Uh-uh. We're going to the border. How many of you, raise your hands, you're going to the border. You, you make up your mind, you're going to the border. You're going to the border. We start out with Joshua. They buried Joshua. Hey, son. What kind of hat you wearing today? Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> That's my boy. Go me over to Joshua chapter 11. You're keeping that bald head warm, aren't you, right? Joshua chapter 11. Look at this scripture. Look at Joshua. He's gone in. He's inherited everything. And in verse 15, as the Lord commanded, Joshua chapter 11 and verse 15, as the Lord commanded Moses, his servant. I love, I love this right here. What I'm about to read to you, I love it. This is, a, this is a life's ambition. As the Lord commanded Moses, his servant, so 
did Moses command Joshua to watch now. And so did Joshua. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded. I need to read that again. He left nothing undone that the Lord commanded. He looked around one day and he said, all my kids are saved. I done cast all the devils out of my house. I'm blessed. I'm healed. I, I, I don't know what else I can do. I've lived, in every, I've lived in every kind of, that's what Joshua said. I've lived in every kind of blessing I can live in. I've lived in all the goodness of God. I know there's more of God, but I don't know how I can get any more of him here in this world. So I guess y'all take me out and bury me at the border. I want to live to one day visit that place in my life where I can just look around at everything and go, well, We've done what God said. We've beat up every devil that come through here. We've got the victory here and we've got the victory there. If there's another devil, please raise your head. But if not, come on. If you go with me to Joshua chapter 10, I just love this Joshua stuff. If you go with Joshua chapter 10, he's the one buried at the border of his inheritance. Joshua chapter 10, and uh, Joshua's in a battle, right? And the sun's about to go down. And let's see, start with verse 12. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites, I'm talking about, listen, I'm reading the scripture right here because here's what I'm telling you. Don't settle for a partial victory. Because, see, the, the, the devil will come along, and my wife tells me, don't use that word so easily, so I'm going to say it as if I was a professional. The enemy, <laughs> when he gets on me, he's a devil. I don't know what you, but, but, but the enemy will come along and bargain with you. He will. He'll, he'll get you to, he'll make it so hard that you'll settle. You, you know, because uh, here's how a lot of people want to serve God. If, we don't have to necessarily go all the way through our inheritance. Remember now, Joshua studied that. He came in on the southern end and, and lived all the way through to the northern end of his inheritance. But a, a lot of people are just happy getting in and as long as I get in and I'm saved and I'm going to heaven then there can be some things in my life that aren't quite right but you know I, I can me and the devil we got to understand it and, and we'll just bargain with that it's, it's called you settling for a partial victory so watch this no partial victories Watch what happens. Then Joshua spoke, or then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, listen to this prayer, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon. And moon in the valley, stay where you at. Verse 13, and the sun stood still, and the moon stayed until the people had a vision. You know what was going on. The, the, the sun was going down. They about had the complete victory, and he had to get the victory. Before it turned darker, he wouldn't have had the victory. And so Joshua, he says, 
I cannot settle. We've, we've killed thousands of them, but there's thousands more of them. And I cannot let it get dark. I cannot settle for a partial victory. He said, I, 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 I didn't come this far to be robbed of complete victory. And he pointed at the sun. Imagine the fate. He pointed at the sun and said, son, stand still. Well, here's the, here's the issue. The sun don't move. He, he prayed wrong. The sun ain't moving. The earth's one moving. Can you, I, I, in my mind's eye, I like to think the angels of God around God's throne. And Joshua says, son, stand still. And all them angels must have cut their eyes at God like. What you going to do, God? I'm going to give him the victory. Here's the thing. You don't even have to have it right. Just as long as your heart's right, God will do it for you. God will do it for you. Let me challenge you. Don't give up. Don't let go. You've come this far. Make it all the way. Leah was heartbroken. I'm going to close with this. Because she, she was bearing children and she, she loved Jacob. But Jacob didn't love her back like she should, like he should. And she started having children. She had one child and she named him Reuben. She had another child, she named him Simeon. She had another child, she named him Levi. Then she had Judah. Hear her heart. She had Reuben, and Reuben's name means see me. Jacob, look at me, see me. Then she had Simeon. Simeon means hear me, Jacob, hear me. She's reaching out, see me, hear me. Then she had Levi. Levi means be joined to me. She's screaming, see me, hear me, be joined to me. I need you. We can get caught up in our lives feeling the same way about people and circumstances. I need it. See me, please. I got, I'm not complete without you. I'm not complete. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Listen, then she says this. Then she says, she says, I had a Reuben see me. I had a Simeon hear me. I had a Levi rejoin to me, and nothing happened. Then she had a Judah, and she, she, she said, Okay, I see how this is. And Judah, you know what Judah means? I'm just going to praise the Lord. I'm just going to praise the Lord. Let me preach to you just a minute right there. I don't care what you're going through. Y'all come on. God inhabits the praise of his people. And on the worst day of your life, you can stand up and say, I'm just going to give God praise anyway. I might have pain in my body, but I'm going to give God praise that I'm not dead. I, don't, I might not know where the money's coming from, but I'm going to give God praise that he's never seen the righteous forsaken or our seed begging for 
I don't know how this is going to work out, but I know one thing. I might be at the end of me, but I'm not at the end of God. I'm going to give God praise. I'm tired of asking somebody to look at me, somebody to receive me, somebody to accept me. God accepts me, and I'm just going to give him praise. He knows every mistake I've ever made, and he's forgiven me of all of them. His mercies are new every day.